This is the official podcast of the Academy for Women in Academic Emergency Medicine Anniversary Interviews, celebrating 10 years of progress. This is your host, Michelle Lin, and this week I'm thrilled to showcase one of my favorite interviews with the truly impressive Dr. Megan Ranney, an expert on the intersection between digital health and violence prevention. We speak about her achievements in research and violence prevention and how her gender has affected her own career. So tell me a little bit about where you are currently in your career and how it was that you came to be here. So I am an associate professor uh, at Brown. Um, I've been at Brown since I was an intern, so for about 15 years. Um, my focus is on using technology to prevent violence, particularly gun violence, and related sequelae like mental health and substance use. Um, I made my way to where I am now uh, other than the fact that I have stayed at the same physical location for the last 15 years, I've had a little bit of a wavy path. I always knew I wanted to do public health, um, but wasn't sure in what capacity. I actually came to emergency medicine in order to do global health, because um, I'd done Peace Corps before med school. Um, very quickly during residency realized that global health was not going to work for me and my family and then did this period of a couple of years of being like, should I do ultrasound or critical care, trying to figure out what the right fit was landed on a fellowship in injury prevention, um, given that a third of ED visits are injuries, huge global burden to injury, so I figured that I could someday go back overseas and work um, globally. Um, and it's closely linked to many of the things that I care most about in our vulnerable populations. Um, so chose to stay at Brown for the injury prevention fellowship, and then from there have just kind of, um, sometimes intentionally, sometimes less so, made my way through uh, various career development grants, um, both from SAEM and then from NIH, um, and have created a career for myself um, tr using research to try to transform the care of our most vulnerable populations. That's wonderful. I certainly have never unintentionally ended up on a grant, but I'm glad to hear that it happens. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. I'm doing very hard work. Um, tell me how you first got involved with AWEM. Uh, gosh, I first got involved with AWEM, I mean, it has to have been when it first started, 10 years ago. I remember sitting in a room with, uh, it would have been Gail D'Onofrio and Michelle Biros and Kathy Clem talking about the importance of women supporting each other. And at that point, I was a brand new mom, and so my primary concern was lactation rooms and how do I do this whole mom-doctor balance thing. Um, started to learn from the women ahead of me how they've managed their career. Some of them took me under their wing, which was wonderful. And then as I moved forward, got to start to take other folks under my wing, um, some of whom were only a couple years behind me, but then obviously as the years have passed, um, there's been a larger gap between me and the junior members of A1. So it's been a nice experience in um, transmitting learned wisdom um, through the generations. Um, and, and just sharing um, kind of the joint experience of being in a woman in emergency medicine. It's also been really neat over the last few years in particular to see how far we've come from where we were in those first meetings nine and ten years ago. Tell me a little bit more about that, how AOM has evolved. I mean, early on it was almost revolutionary to just be talking about being a woman in emergency medicine. Um, the mere fact that we were meeting was crazy and that we were talking about things that were women's issues was kind of crazy because I think for the generation ahead of me, um, so much of their success was about being 
seen as being able to keep up with the guys, being just as good if not better. So to kind of openly acknowledge that was, was really a big deal. Um, and then watching, you know, as AWIM has matured, not only is it acceptable to talk about women's issues, but we've matured into a group that talks about a lot of other issues too, that talks about diversity and inclusion in a thousand ways, and that partners with ADEM, and that talks about not just what do we do to support our young moms, but what do we do to support our senior women and our women who are trans and our women who don't have kids and our women with disabilities and how do we support our women who are researchers and our women who are educators and um, as we've matured and grown we've been able to uh, focus in on some of those populations that maybe were ignored or not purposefully ignored but just not as much of a focus at first yeah which is really neat so important um, tell me a little bit, perhaps, about specific AWEM initiatives and projects that may have impacted your own career development. Oh gosh, there are so many. Um, I mean, seriously, just the fact that AWEM was there was huge. It, it is, um, I cannot quantify the impact of knowing that there is a community of women who have my back and who I can go to with honesty. Um, about whatever challenges I'm facing and get honest feedback. Um, I remember having a lunch with Gail D'Onofrio um, and talking about raising kids and her kind of warning me about what was coming as my kids entered school and her telling me very explicitly, sign up to be a room mother but never bake the cupcakes yourself. Right? And her like almost giving me, I would never have crossed my mind. She's like, but that way your kids get to see you being present. You don't have to slave around in, in the kitchen. You can still go into your awesome kind of career work and be a terrific mom and kind of giving me tips on how to do that. And that, I don't know would have been possible without AWEM. So to me, it's not a specific initiative, but rather the larger um, entity of AWEM that's been so crucial. Are you involved in any other women-focused professional organizations? Uh, well, Feminem, <laughs> um, uh, I'm clearly involved in. Um, okay. I mean, AWEP also, I should say. I'm also yeah. involved with AWEP, but less so. Yeah. AWEP feels like has just been more of my home. I was involved with it from the beginning. Sure, yeah. Um, and why AWEP? I'm on the SAM board, and I'm on the SAM board because SAM feels like my academic home. It's like my college reunion, right? It's, it's a chance to be with other people like me who have similar priorities and goals for our field. And AWIM is the natural extension of that to me. Great. And how do you perceive that leadership in women-focused professional organizations might be considered for the purposes of academic advancement? So I think 10 years ago, it was not perceived as something that would advance your career. I think it was seen as taking yourself apart as a woman's thing, um, as a way to advance when you couldn't advance along the traditional routes. Um, I think that has changed. I think that leadership in a woman-focused organization for a woman or a man is now perceived as um, a huge strength and uh, demonstration of leadership ability. And how do you anticipate the professional needs of women in academic emergency medicine will change in the next 10 years? So I think that some will be the same. I think that with every generation, as you first get out of residency, first get out of this purely merit-based 
um, advancement that we all kind of thought that we were part of up through med school and residency and maybe even fellowship. Um, when we first confront the realities of gender inequity, um, there will still be an important place for an organization like AWEM to hold those people close and say, it's okay, it's not you, it's the system, and then to give them tools to combat the system. I think that hopefully we will see a rising proportion of emergency physicians who are women and a rising proportion of women in leadership positions in emergency medicine, hospitals, and academic medical centers. And so I think that AUM's role may not be as much about showing people that it's possible to have women in those positions um, as much as helping to develop them into those positions in a um, much less, that it won't be as unusual for that to happen. Um, I think uh, that in the next 10 years, AWEM will have to continue to expand its focus on, on diversity, inclusion, and intersectionality in every way. And I think that that's a really important thing for the organization to do going forwards. Um, we've been good, but we can be better. We all can be better. Um, at recognizing all the ways that we have implicit biases. Um, and I think that AWEM can also play a big role in advocating for continued research on sex and gender and emergency medicine and on uh, biases in every form. When did you, I'm going to pivot a little bit to your career, but when did you first notice gender inequity to be an issue? Um, in retrospect, it had been there for a very long time, but it really wasn't until I was a mom that it became blatantly apparent to me. You know, there had certainly been sexual harassment in med school, residency, um, some of which I called out, right? But to me, that was just, I, I didn't identify that as a systemic issue. Um, it, it was really when I was a, a new mom and, and couldn't figure out how to make it all work together that I first felt kind of just the uh, unfairness that my guy friends who had new babies were able to go back to working 50 and 60 hour weeks and I physically couldn't. How has your involvement in AWIM perhaps translated into greater gender equity in your own workplace? So I'm very lucky. Um, I met Brown, and our chair for over a decade was Brian Zink. And he came in with a mission of creating better equity. At the point when he came in, um, we had huge issues in my residency and in my department in general um, around sexual harassment and gender inequity. And Brian, part of his, the reason why he got hired was with the goal of um, facilitating greater equity and brought our faculty from, I think at that point there were three women, maybe four. Um, now we're almost 40% women. Um, uh, put women in many positions of leadership across the organization and had an awareness of the issue. And AWEM was part of what helped push him there. It was also, of course, the fact that I share a faculty group with, at that time, Esther was there with me for eight years. I have Tracy Madsen, I had Neha Rauker, I have Jess Smith, I have uh, Laura McPeak, I have all of these amazing, Catherine Cummings, Libby Nestor, all of these amazing strong women who also helped push, but AWIM gave us um, a bit of a framework by which to do so. Um, what career accomplishment are you the most proud of? Man, that's really tough. So there are two things. Um, one is I'm super proud I have an R01. I'm like really proud of that. Thank you. It's huge. Thank you. Now I got to get the second, right? Um, but I'm super proud because I think, especially as a woman, it's like a it allows me to do cool science that I think is going to transform care, but b it allows me to sit at the table with more senior men and feel confident that I can hold my own. 
Um, the other thing that I'm really, really proud of is starting a firm, the American Foundation for Firearm Injury Reduction in Medicine, which is a new 501c3 um, that is aiming to privately fund firearm injury research. Um, and that, to me, I'm incredibly proud of because it has been a chance to overcome partisan divides. My co-founder is a gun owner, and our conversation, um, I hope, will change the national conversation about what we can do to stop the American epidemic of gun violence. That's incredible. Um, and definitely things you should be so proud of. And then, of course, my kids and my husband. I'm still married, and I still love my kids, so that's good, too. <laughs> also important. Um, what advice would you give a younger version of yourself or an AWEM member at an earlier stage of her career? So two things. One is, um, I think, I, we were, I was actually talking about this at dinner last night. Um, I think you should always say yes, and I do subscribe to Judd Hollander's view that like you need to take things on because that's how you develop skills, improve yourself, and get known. But I think that probably there are times where I could have been a little more focused and that it would have served me better. I also would say to aim high, to not say, well, I'm not good enough to do X. Like, say, I want to do X. Like, the, the younger women, there's one woman um, who's like, I want to be a hospital president. And I look at her and I'm like, you are so cool for labeling that now when you're a few years out of residency because that means you're going to get there. If you wait until someone says, maybe you should be a hospital president someday, you're not going to get there. You have to identify that goal yourself, right? And so that's the other thing I wish I'd done earlier, was be very much more intentional. Well, you've certainly accomplished a lot despite not having done those things. Um, so, um, As have you, Michelle. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, you may be more intentional than I, but you've also... Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Please name three other AWEM members we should interview, perhaps one around your career stage, uh, one who's more junior, and one who's more senior. Let's say, I mean, Kinjal. She would be... I know you just interviewed Esther, so Kinjal. Or Basma. Um, would be my two around my career stage. One who's younger, um, a little behind, like not behind, but like still kind of up and coming. Um, I think you should interview yourself. <laughs> that would be challenging. Um, I'm serious though. Um, I also think Liz Samuels. And then someone more senior. Again, I imagine that you've interviewed Gail already. So Gail D'Onofrio. Great. Well, those are wonderful recommendations. Um, thank you so, so much for your time, Dr. Megan Manning. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time for our chat with master educator and pioneer, Dr. Wendy Coates. See you next time.